Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Happy Monday! And we have a very special Monday episode. We're, we're doing a return of our Shitty Mayor Monday episodes for this monday june the, 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 the whatever the date is 26th 26th uh during the the uh 6th week of action in atlanta to stop cop city so that is ongoing we're recording this slightly ahead of time so we can release it during the week so we don't know what exactly how exactly things are going and to go to report nobody's been arrested so far everything's gone great <laughs> yeah it's sure so yeah we, we don't quite know what the first kickoff rally is going to be quite yet but we do want to talk a little bit about a certain mayor uh for this shitty mayor monday and i have i have uh uh, convinced uh, Matt from the Atlanta Community Press Collective to do my work for me this episode um, <laughs> by writing probably too many words about Mayor Andre <laughs> Dickens. It was only a little over what you told me to write. That's good. That's good. That's good. Um, so yeah, let's uh, let's hear about let's hear about Mr. Dickens, uh, uh, Matt. Take take it away. All right. So Andre Deshaun Dickens was born uh, June 17th, 1974, the younger of two children. 
His mother divorced Dickens' birth father before he was born, but a uh, stepfather adopted him and his sister uh, when Dickens was seven. Working as an airline mechanic, Dickens' stepfather taught him how to take things apart and put them back together, creating an early interest in engineering for young Andre. Uh, he grew up in Adamsville neighborhood which, and went to Benjamin E. Mays High School, uh, which is in southwest Atlanta. Dickens says the neighborhood kids were rough around the edges, as he told Atlanta Magazine, and quote, we fought often, but when the fighting escalated to bats and brass knuckles, uh, he changed course and turned to baseball and books instead. At age 16, Dickens decided that he wanted to be mayor after watching then-mayor Andrew Young. Uh, this is about the time he also met Shirley Franklin, uh, whose son he played baseball with. Franklin was Mayor Young's chief administrative officer at the time and spent time mentoring Dickens as a teenager. Uh, she would also go on to become mayor herself. Okay, so uh, Andrew Young, I know that name because that's the street where the Hard Rock Cafe is. <laughs> it's the street where the Hard Rock Cafe is. Uh, he went on to become an ambassador. Oh, uh, ambassador to the Hard Rock To country. the Hard Rock Cafe. That's also where the SWAT vehicle hung out in yes, front of the Hard across, Rock Cafe. across from the Hooters. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's a very notable street in Atlanta. Yeah. After a week-long uh, minorities interested in technology and engineering program at Georgia Tech the summer before his senior year, someone from the program handed him an application to Georgia Tech, which he filled out while waiting on his mom to pick him up. Tech was the only college that Dickens applied to. Huh. And uh, I mostly know Georgia Tech as the place that like Raytheon and Lockheed Martin go to recruit a whole bunch of their employees. Yeah, you know, it's it's the uh, tech engineering school of the South and all the good weapons manufacturers need to get their good Southern engineering. Yeah, he did not go that route. But it is uh, kind of rare for black politicians in general to come from schools outside of the HBCUs. We've got that like big HBCU district here in Atlanta. Can, um, can, can you explain what that is? Briefly? Yes. Historically black college and universities. Uh, there are a group of them in uh kind of just off downtown Atlanta in an area called the uh, Atlanta University Center. Uh, so they're all kind of together in that area. And that is where most of our like elected officials who become mayor come from. Uh, Dickens is only the second mayor since 1974 not to graduate of, from one of those uh, HBCUs. But uh, Dickens did join Kappa Alpha Psi, a historically black fraternity, uh, when he went to tech and was a member of the student government, kind of keeping his, his dream of being mayor alive. Got but, it. After graduations, he briefly left the state uh, before returning home in 2002 to take care of his ill mother. This is around the time that he started his public service career uh, and he joined NPUD. NPUs are neighborhood planning units. Atlanta is broken up into 25 of these neighborhood units and they're each given a letter of the alphabet. So they're advisory boards that give input to the city, but they can issue like zoning variances. And some NPUs have built up like considerable power over their neighborhood. So hmm. this is where a lot of people like first plug into uh, Atlanta government. Okay. So it's like, is this like related to like the zoning board process? And yeah, if you, if you need to get approval to uh, have a bigger awning than you're supposed to have, you got to go through the MPU to get it. Got it. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll consider that for <laughs> when I want to expand my awning. Yes, your awning or build your awning. Really. Okay, yeah, yeah. At this point, Dickens uh, and his sister also founded uh, a business called City Living Home Furnishings. Uh, and the company was exactly what... what it's, just, it's a furniture store? It's a furniture store. Okay. He founded a furniture <laughs> store. <laughs> in an uh, interview with Georgia State University later in his life, Dickens reflected that this is where he determined that he needed to act rightly to ensure his good reputation. What? 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 How, how does owning a furniture store teach him this lesson? Oh, well, he said, imagine I'm on TV saying, trust me. And all the people would have to do is 
Call the Atlanta Journal-Constitution or radio and say, your furniture was trash. <laughs> your history to somebody. Who are all of these places uh, that, you know, you've really got to be consistent is what he said. And, you know, turns out the Was AJ's- his furniture trash? Now I have to know. <laughs> well, spoiler he goes bankrupt. Uh, it turns okay. out the AJC wouldn't be much of a problem for Dickens, as as we've learned. Years no. later, the paper would be on his side, bobbing those easy questions and helping him build support for Cop City. Uh, so like I said, the family business failed in 2010. You can't actually blame Dickens for it. It was a product of the of the Great uh, Recession. Okay. Uh, so I, I wonder if we can still find any of his furniture lying around. So there's, there's actually a store called City Living Home Furni- Furnishing, and I don't know if it's the, like... Somebody it's related just, at all, or yeah, yeah I I huh. tried to look it up and I I couldn't like figure out if if it was just somebody using the same name or not. But oh. it, there is one that exists uh, in like West Midtown. What? Okay, oh <laughs> oh boy, sorry, we're gonna I'm gonna get a lot of comments from people in Atlanta now because you said West Midtown. <clears throat> oh boy, I'm sorry, West Side or whatever you want to call it. It's uh, it's a uh, it's a uh, Southwest Piedmont. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, there's, there's there's also Sono like south of North Ave. Yeah, we oh, we God. have all these these fun uh, little little street or neighborhood names but uh so after the failing business he he changed course and went to gsu for a master's uh of public administration in economic development so this was after 2010 yeah after 2010 in in 2011 he he uh started attending his master's program at at georgia state university and then he graduated in 2013 just in time for the municipal election season so Atlanta City Council, as as we've learned now, is comprised of 12 <laughs> district seats and three citywide seats or, or, or what we call at large seats. And so Dickens ran for post three against an incumbent named H. Lamar Willis. Dickens kind of historically when he has these campaigns, either has really good fortune or good insight in choosing his opponent or opponents up. A month prior to the election, Willis was disbarred after the Georgia Supreme Court found that he violated numerous professional conduct rules, including in 2009, placing a settlement money from a child injury case into his personal bank account instead of giving it to the parents. Wait, wait, really? (laughs) Yes. And this guy, this guy is now back in uh, Georgia government. He uh, is he's part of like the Beltline. um, That that makes sense. Management program. So like I, I. this happened Is earlier this year. Stealing money from injured children? I think he gave it to the child eventually, but you're supposed to put these in like escrow accounts and not in your own account. Not your personal account? No. So uh, former Mayor Shirley Franklin endorsed Dickens in the 23 race, or former Mayor Shirley Franklin endorsed Dickens in the 2013 race, uh, which drew ire and attacks uh, by both Willis, who called Dickens out for his bankruptcy of, of the furniture business, and what Willis alleged was, quote, unlawful use of Georgia Tech government property. So on the bankruptcy, uh, Dickens went to about a million dollars in, in debt and had some tax liens against him, which he's now discharged through both bankruptcy and settling the, the tax liens. Okay. But but the unlawful use of Georgia, of Tech, Georgia government Tech government property. property. What, what is what is that? I have no idea. You I don't know what they I searched pretty hard to try to find it and i can't like other than willis willis making the claim i i found no evidence Could be like like a, like a com- like computers or like what is it what is- i'm assuming like uh, you know probably something like he went to a computer lab and, and used it off hours for some personal weird business but yeah i i found nothing that actually really backs up uh, the claim against him. So he won the election in November with 53% of the vote, which is a surprisingly strong victory for like a relatively unknown candidate like Dickens was at the time. 
During his first term, 2013 to 2017, Dickens worked pretty quietly. But towards the end of his term, he started to introduce legislation, make a name for himself. So he created a $40 million affordable housing bond, uh, as well as a study to raise the minimum wage for city employees to $15 an hour, uh, which ultimately led to the city enacting that wage. Dickens ran for his second term unopposed. So naturally, he won. So that's 2017. Now we're at 2017 to 2021. And this is where the story starts to get interesting. We'll see the themes that will play out in his first, uh, you know, couple years as mayor. Well, and, and, and we will learn about that story after these messages from our lovely sponsors. Or if you're subscribed to the new Apple Premium Plus, (laughs) the the cooler zone media, you just hear us do the ad breaks without any ads at all. So in lieu of that, um, buy gold, gold, Play by gold plated -plated guitars. Guitars. Thank you. By gold plated guitars. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, You can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Bean Dad, The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back. I'm strumming away on my on my electric gold-plated b- bass. This um, doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound like it's supposed to. Yeah, Dan, I'll cut, cut out all of the all of the bad <laughs> bass. Actually, I can go get my accordion and play that instead if you want. Let's not. All right, well, <laughs> continue. <laughs> so uh, we're in 2018 now. Um, so in no, 20... Normal year. A, a completely normal year for Atlanta. Nothing happened anywhere else in the world. One of the biggest conversations that was going around in Atlanta in 2018 revolved around an area of downtown called the Gulch. Uh, so this is the area that's surrounded by most of our sport team venues, kind okay. of like where Centennial Olympic Park is. And the streets are all elevated in that area around uh, above ground level. And at the bottom of the ground level, it's like these early 20th century like railway lines. Uh, but it's mostly parking lots for those. those For the stadiums. And yeah, stuff, for yeah. the stadiums. And it's known as the gulch because you know kind of which is a, a break in the ground yeah it, back, it look, it's like it looks like it's, it's like a gulch kind yeah. of uh so back in like, <laughs> it's like <laughs> a gulch kind of. the name. <laughs> Ooh, uh, wow back in 2020 uh 2012 then mayor kasim reed presented an idea to give a los angeles based firm a million dollars to build the gulch into a mixed-use high-rise area the legislation finally passed in 2018, but Andre Dickens voted against it, saying correctly that there wasn't enough focus in the development plans on housing affordability. And this helped uh, cement Dickens' reputation as a housing affordability advocate. And Yeah, because he also did that $40 million Yeah, he just did that $40 million that, yeah. bond, and, and we'll, we'll have some more affordable housing stuff later. But, I, you know, I should say we're like five years on now, and the Gulch hasn't begun but they're no. they're trying to get it done before uh the world cup comes in yeah they're also they, it seems like they've been preoccupied with another another, another construction another project? construction project that's getting much more of the mayor's attention which oddly does not have anything to do with affordable housing <laughs> no it does not uh dickens also introduced legislation that led to the creation of the atlanta department of transportation which if i'm being fair was a good idea and pretty necessary to help address atlanta's decaying road infrastructure and improve no the, the roads here are fine yeah so you you drove on uh you you complained when when we had this last week of action about decab avenue and all of the potholes yeah and that is now repaved Oh, that got is. repaved it like is. a couple weeks ago. They're, oh. Well, they're in the process of repaving it. So if I we love drive to see that. infrastructure working. <laughs> it's my favorite part, my new favorite part is uh, Moreland. Is that usually around Moreland Drive? Um, there's an area where you're where you're trying to get to the Wani Forest that just is always constantly flooded, no matter what. And that's that. That's my favorite area of Atlanta. And I hear that if you get rid of a forest. That will improve that flooding. helps the flooding yeah. because there's more space for the dirt to soak in water. Exactly. Yeah. That is how that works. It is science. Yeah. So in 2019, Dickens introduced legislation to create a task force uh, to decide how to repurpose the Atlanta City Detention Center or ACDC, which is really weird. Every time I hear ACDC, I think of this thing, this jail, yeah. and everybody else is talking about something entirely different. Uh-huh. Uh, so it was built in 1990s leading up to the Olympics and replaced an older jail that now serves as our, our primary homeless shelter. So that's what ACDC is now. Uh, it's called the Gateway Center now. That was the old jail. ACDC is the, the current jail. OK, OK. Uh, so in a press release uh, after uh, Bottoms signed this legislation to create the task who's, force. Who's Bottoms? Sorry, oh. first, who's Bottoms? So uh, from 2017 to 2021, uh, Atlanta had a mayor named Lance Bottoms. <laughs> 
and uh, she was great and did not approve legislation uh, about Cop City at all. She did not. She did. I, she did. She did. So she, that was a lie. You just lied to I, me. I, 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 I lied. I'm you sorry. And you purposely sped, spread misinformation <laughs> on my news podcast. <laughs> okay. So uh, Michael Smith was uh, Bottoms' uh, press secretary and also currently serving as Dickens' press secretary. Okay. So he wrote that this legislation that authorized the task force actually authorized Bottoms to close the jail, but the ordinance did not. Uh, create that authorization it only authorized this task force to recommend future uses of the site should it close and this is going to be important uh the task force met for about a year be- before turning in options which brings us to june 2020 we're going to skip straight over there uh with all of this going on so what was happening in june 2020 about in, in atlanta there were some protests uh going on which we're gonna key in just after the jail fight but the task force offered four options and the city uh indicated that it was going to go with the the second cheapest of the four which was redoing the facade of the jail and turning the interior into a center for diversions so instead of having a city jail we would have this multi-story diversion center um you know to stop people from going into the criminal justice system okay and in the middle of the summer of 2020 this was how is that not just a jail it's you don't enter the criminal legal system. Okay. You, yeah. So you don't talk to you're not in front of a judge. You are not technically arrested. You are given resources and you are given uh, options um, to, you know, attend courses or, or counseling or whatever you need instead of entering um, like the criminal justice. Yeah. System. And so we, we okay. have a diversion program here called uh, Policing's Alternatives and Diversions or PAD, uh, which operates in every zone of the city and is is. You know, if if somebody uh, gets arrested, like stealing basic substance stuff, they are supposed to contact Pat and enter them into a diversion program where they get help instead of going to jail. Okay, And it it works to the extent that uh, the city of or it it works to the extent that APD actually does contact Pat. And it it depends on kind of the zone, uh, how effective it is. But basically, at this point, everyone agreed that the jail uh, was going to end its time as a carceral space and become this diversion center to help people avoid entering the the criminal legal system. So put a pin in that. That is the plan. Okay. This is during June of 2020. During June of 2020. The entire nation is in an uproar. Okay. Because, of course, the bigger news of the summer of 2020 was the George Floyd uprising. And and at that point in Atlanta, the killing of uh, Rayshard Brooks uh, by Garrett Rolfe at the Wendy's in southeast Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, so uh, after the killing of Brooks, Dickens posted on an Instagram uh, saying, quote, I am saddened to start this day with news of another black person killed by police and especially dismayed to see it happen in our city. Police must de-escalate situations like these before they turn deadly. Once the suspect fled unarmed and intoxicated through a parking lot of bystanders, this could have become an investigation rather than a shooting. So undoubtedly spurred by the fervor and uproar of that summer, Dickens also co-sponsored legislation with fellow council members Antonio Brown and Michael Julian Bond that would prohibit APD from using crowd control munitions in military style vehicles against protesters. Okay. This legislation, though, unsurprisingly went nowhere and we were hit with tear gas and and shot by pepper balls for, you know, the rest of the summer. Yeah. And they still are (laughs) using them (laughs) to to this day. Yeah. Uh, But this is also happening at the tail end of budget season. So our budget season goes from like March to or April to June of every year. And the biggest debate in council that summer was about withholding $73 million or about a quarter of the Atlanta Police Department's funding. 
And so we were actually positioned defund to the defund stuff, yeah, the police. Yeah. And while the legislation was under debate in, in city council, thousands of residents called in for public comment. This is the only time that I've uh, the only time estimate I've seen for this public comment was about 17 hours, according to mainline zine. I I seem to recall it being longer, um, but but around that, which around is 17 hours, comparable to the last public comment session related to Cop City. Yeah, and and comparable even to the the first public comment yeah, session, which about was Cop also City. 17 hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the actual vote uh, happened on a specially called Saturday session of City Council. At the time, like all other municipalities, Council was meeting remotely through Zoom. So the actual vote happened on a specially called Saturday session of city council. At the time, like all of their municipalities, council was meeting remotely through Zoom because of COVID. And we're going to play a clip of one of the few things that Dickens said during that debate. And to set the scene, council member Dustin Hillis, one of the very pro-cop members of council, proposed a much smaller cut to the budget uh, in the amount of like a few million dollars to remove just quote unquote, non-essential expenditures from sure. ABD's budget sure. without risking cutting into actual pay for police or the raises to police salary yeah. that council and the mayor's office previously promised. Because this was a special session on Saturday, Dickens was driving around his mother. Uh, so there's going to be a bit of background noise and the quality is not super outstanding. But And if now, as much as I'm trying to figure out a way to support it, if it comes down to being $2 million or $3 million or even $5 million, it just is so short of reimagining. You can't reimagine something that's almost $300 million and only take 2 to $5 million to reimagine it, right? And to kind of think through what all needs to be done and to send a strong signal that we want reform and we want change. What we hear in this clip is Dickens really doing what he's going to continue to do for the rest of his career, make overtures to the public while still ensuring that at the end of the day, the police are taken care of. He really wanted APD to know that their personal salaries were not only safe, but they were going to grow and he would always be a champion of, of that. Uh, so we're going to skip here over the Cop City vote in 2021 at this point, I think. It's been if you're listening to this show, you're also probably <laughs> somewhat familiar. There, there are there are several episodes uh, <laughs> that you can pause here and go back and listen to to, to kind of catch up. Yes. Uh, on 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 how that uh, happened in, in 2021. So suffice it to say that Dickens did not fight against the legislation in its council phase and what is was one of the 10 votes to approve the cop city lease in September of 2021. If anything, Dickens was one of the quieter members of council when it came to debating the cop city lease. He didn't really say much uh, while the debates were happening. And so the last few months, of course, of the Cop City fight happened during election season. And instead of running for a third term as council member, Dickens threw his hat in the ring for mayor, which was an open race with Mayor Bottoms withdrawing her candidacy uh, all the way back on, on May 6th, amid rumors that she was on the short list to be Biden's nod for VP. Which did, which did not happen. Which did not happen. <laughs> Uh, so to understand how Dickens won this election, because spoiler, we're, we're talking about yes, Mayor we're talking Dickens. About <laughs> shitty, shitty Mayor Monday, this, it's uh, Mayor Dickens. Yes. We've, we've got to talk about how Atlanta runs its municipal elections and how Georgia election law plays out in effect um, and who the presumed frontrunners of the race were. First, municipal elections are run on a nonpartisan basis. There are no party primaries to weed out weaker candidates. To run, all you need to do is get the required number of signatures, pay the fee, and file on time. So this leads to a pretty wide field of candidates than you see in, in most elections. Hmm. 
Uh, second is that quirk in Georgia election law that everyone is probably familiar with uh, by this point in time from the last few national election cycles. In order to win Georgia uh, outright, you need 50% of the vote plus one. If no candidate hits that number, then the top two candidates go to a runoff election. The state law also applies to any municipal elections for cities with a population higher than 100,000 people like Atlanta. Like Atlanta, which has 600,000? Oh, just uh, around 500,000. I think it's like 490,000 at this point. But then, but the greater metro area is like... The greater metro area is something like six six or seven million. million. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So the two front runners of the race were not exactly popular figures. Uh, I would go so far as to say, like, in many cases, votes were cast against them, like, kind of like with Trump, uh, yeah. instead of in support of... Instead of voting for Biden, you're voting against yeah. Trump, yeah. So, uh, former Mayor Kasim Reed was one of those candidates. He left office in 2017 after his second term. Uh, Atlanta has this two-consecutive term limit, which Reed had reached. Uh, however, you can run for a third term if it's not consecutive. Okay. So, during Reed's second term, lawsuits and scandal propagated heavily. Amongst the things that came out during both during and after Reed's administration was that Reed made nearly $900,000 in illegal bonus payments to staff, had a bribery scandal in his office that resulted in an FBI investigation, <laughs> and ensured that airport contracts went to his friends and associates. Based, based a legalist, <laughs> a legalist mayor. And to make matters worse for Reed, a month after he announced his candidacy, the AJC released that it believed Reed was under investigation for allegations of wire fraud for, quote, using campaign funds to make purchases of jewelry, resort travel, lingerie, and furniture. I mean, that would make sense considering everything else you just said. (laughs) That's not really surprising. Uh, Then on the other side was Felicia Moore, who accurately or not was seen by opponents as the face of Cop City after Joyce Shepard, who introduced the legislation authorizing the lease for Cop City and lost her seat on on council uh, for that reason. Uh, While never forced to do so since city council presidents only vote in tiebreakers, Moore did say that she would vote in favor of Cop City if it was needed. Then a week before the election, Felicia Moore's campaign Instagram account posted a video with Lee Clevenger a white Republican donor and supporter of Moore's campaign. Clevenger can be heard saying all of Atlanta mayors since 1979 were, quote, not interested in anything except lining their own pockets. Hmm. I should uh, note. Hmm, there, there's here. I feel like there's going to be some. Uh... <laughs> since 1974, a black person has been mayor every single time. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Is so that, that sounds like he's. This didn't a, go a racist. over so well. Yeah. Uh, Moore removed the post and returned the campaign contribution uh, from Clevenger and said later, quote, it was an unfortunate statement by that constituent and I should have corrected him or walked away. Unfortunate statement. Not <laughs> unfortunate. just like of someone saying something incredibly racist. Uh, so this was the setting that led to election night. That Tuesday, to everyone's surprise, Dickens eked out a second place victory above Reed with just under 600 votes uh, for a total of 22,153 votes for Dickens. Moore had a much better showing with 39,202 votes. But neither of them was over 50%. But neither of them broke the 50%. Okay. So he went to a runoff. So during the runoff, Moore really courted conservative Buckhead. So, and Buckhead's like the northern, yeah, more conservative, like not suburb, but like neighborhood of Atlanta. Neighborhood. It's yeah. the one that wanted to turn it into its own city. Yes, which want, wanted we'll to get do to the Buckhead here. succession, which is... Built on a whole bunch of legacies of redlining and segregation and blah, blah, blah. blah. Oh, we'll talk about that. Okay, good, good. (laughs) Um, So Moore also earned the endorsement of Reed. 
the 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 guy who just said the racist thing the guy who no uh the former mayor who lost to dickens for second place by about 600 votes okay just so, i'm trying to keep all these names straight here because there's a lot of a lot of names coming into my head now uh in a situation that led many progressives in atlanta to look at the guy who well he voted for cops did he still supported closing the jail was willing to cut 73 million dollars from apd and had a been a pretty consistent advocate for affordable housing on council uh, on council so it was between Moore and and that guy. Yeah. So progressives made a decision and and went for uh, for Dickens and in the runoff, Dickens won by a landslide with sixty three percent of the votes. Okay. So forty four thousand six hundred and fifty five votes. Um, Moore actually lost thirteen thousand votes from her general election total. Interesting. Thus, Mayor Andre Dickens becomes our next leader. Uh, turnout for the runoff was in line with what we saw four years earlier when Keisha Lance Bottom faced off against Garrison's candidate of choice, Mary Norwood. Get, get, wait, <laughs> wait don't, don't put, what do you mean you're my gonna, candidate of choice? You're going to back Norwood if, if she runs for mayor again, right? No. Oh, I misunderstood everything that has happened. She's a scary woman. I'm not going <laughs> to. So the Norwood Bottoms runoff only had uh, 4,000 more voters than we did in 2021's runoff. Oh, and so was, that, was, that was the 2017 election, 2018 yes. election. Got it. Okay. No. The Mary yes, Norwood. That was the 2017 election. Bottoms one. I, I, I'm going to act like I know Atlanta history. Or, for yeah, I'll, I'll just correct you on some of this Atlanta <laughs> history here. As I feign ignorance to have you explain concepts for the audience, making me sound more ignorant than I am. But actually then explain to you. Anyway, I continue. Sorry, I was, I was, so I was going off on a ramble. We should say that 2017 uh, runoff was actually much more evenly matched. Bottoms only won by 800 votes. So what that And that's scary. Yeah, that's scary. Because Mary Norwood cannot be the mayor. So Dickens... It's, Dickens has said that he won um, with, you know, consent to govern and it's not really stretching it when he says that Atlanta supported him in this particular election yes. with this particular opponent. We largely did. Sure. In the interim period, Dickens does the usual things. He appoints a transition team. This included your usual cast of characters, but it is also worth noting that it included Dave Wilkinson, president and CEO of the Atlanta the, Police Foundation. The Atlanta Police, I've, I've, I've heard of them. The Atlanta Police Foundation. It's like a... It's like a, it's like a, it's like, it's like a charity for police or something, right? It's, yeah, it's a nonprofit. You know, your standard nonprofit. Okay, they do cool things. Tax deductible. Tax. Yeah, you can donate to them tax deductibly. Just uh, like this. They might advertise on just this. like the streamer Destiny. <laughs> <laughs> That's the second Destiny reference in as many episodes. So as soon as Dickens is sworn in, he faces the Buckhead secession crisis, and you know we we explained a little bit earlier. Uh, what bucket is but atlanta is a very large metropolitan area and much of fulton county itself was at one point part of unincorporated atlanta and then in 2005 in the unincorporated area just to the north of buckhead called sandy springs was the first to become its own city the initial breakaway cities that happened after that were were predominantly white and racism played a heavy role in their formation but starting in 2016 um newly formed black majority cities also started cropping up around the metro area like the city of south fulton and stonecrest so buckhead wanted to do the same thing they wanted to become their own city and uh, by no means was that like popular sentiment in buckhead but it's more complicated because the cityhood drives uh were not like part of incorporated Atlanta, the previous ones. Okay. Bucket is yeah, incorporated it is, Atlanta. It is, it is Atlanta. It's yeah. part of the Atlanta public school system. It's also an APD zone. It has its own parks, roadways, and water system that are all like city of Atlanta property. Yep. 
So to have the best chance of actually seceding, Buckhead needs a state congressional vote. Otherwise, it would require a citywide vote, which it would Why obviously Why would people lose. vote? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so in 2022, it found that uh, Buckhead's secession bill started working its way through the legislature. The bill didn't make it very far this, this first time around. It dies on uh, February 11th, so just a couple weeks into the, the session. But in order to kill it, Dickens reached out to Governor Kemp and other Republican leaders and developed a working relationship early on in his term as mayor. Uh, Dickens also kind of to quell this this Buckhead secession played into the race of crime narrative uh, that Buckhead secessionists were claiming was the reason that they wanted to secede. Uh, Dickens, in partnership with uh, local law enforcement agencies and the Atlanta Police Foundation, created the Repeat Offender Tracking Unit. They claimed most of the crime problem in Atlanta comes from repeat offenders. And by sharing information about so-called criminals between agencies, crime would drop. Of course, this is very problematic from an abolitionist perspective. Once someone enters the criminal legal system, you're basically marked. It haunts you. The task force only serves to reinforce that. Uh, And in response to the formation of the unit, Southern Center for Human Rights said, quote, if APD is planning to double down on the very strategies that they themselves admitted, do not work in pursuit of a solution that keeps people behind bars. The effort is doomed to fail. You know, else is doomed to fail. The, our our audience is actually buying these products that are advertising on our show for some reason, <laughs> probably. But who knows? I've I've heard I've heard the uh, I've heard the Blue Apron uh, cooking boxes are really convenient if you live an active and busy lifestyle, like Matt from the from the Atlanta Community Press Collective. I actually use uh, HelloFresh. Okay, good because I, I think they're the ones that actually are advertising on our show. So thank you, thank you for that. Great great work. You are you already got it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, You can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Bean Dad, The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, 
you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are we are back. All right, so kicking back in with the Buckhead session movement, um, in order to mollify Buckhead, there is also an opening of a se- uh, police precinct in Zone 2 in which Buckhead sits. This is the third precinct in Buckhead, which is made up of just 28 square miles. That's wild because like Portland only has like three or four precincts in total. <laughs> yeah, so we have six zones. And Portland has like more people in like Portland proper than like Atlanta does. I think our territory is more expansive. Yeah, uh, yes, than, yes. Than but Portland. like, 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 like population out. wise, there's actually more people in Portland proper. Just uh, pretty funny. I, I should say that the the third precinct in Zone Two was was uh, planned before Dickens took office, but he made sure to talk about it a lot early yeah, on. Yeah, I bet, I bet. Uh, so, and then in what would fit perfectly as a scene in The Wire, Dickens spent both this year and last year talking about how crime in Buckhead dropped more in both years than any other zones. What's The Wire? The, the well, there's a podcast about The Wire. Oh, really? A podcast? Yes. Huh. I forget the name of it. What, what's, what's the wire? It's a it's a TV show about oh police is, in is it like one of, is it like one of like those like millennial shows? Are we doing a bit? Is this like one of those millennial shows? <laughs> um, it, it did come out in the early. Like, oh, so this so this is like Succession <laughs> for old people. Got it. Okay. This is Succession for old people. Yes, uh, highly recommend watching it and check out the podcast that I can't remember the name of. Okay, yeah, plug <laughs> someone else's podcast. Great, <laughs> great job. As the Buckhead secession issue wound down, a southeast Atlanta apartment complex started to draw increasing attention from the press due to rampant issues in the complex. A lack of care by the owners. So this massive apartment complex operator called Millennia. The company had a reputation across the country as terrible, and it is deservedly so. At Forest Cove, the complex was unfit for human habitation. Oh, really? Uh, and we have to acknowledge that Dickens here had an out just to blame millennia. And but in February, he told the approximately 700 residents that the city would be moving them to safer housing while the complex was either fixed or rebuilt. Uh, the rollout of, of this wasn't perfect. Um, on April 13th of this year, Sean Keenan, a local reporter, uh, released friend, friend of the <laughs> friend of the show, New York Times reporter Sean Keenan makes another appearance. Uh, so Keenan released a new story of this year, April 13, 2023, um, showing that the first uh, that a quarter of Forest Cove residents were relocated to complexes identified as dangerous dwellings on the AJC's residential watchdog list. <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny. So I, I have learned a little bit about Atlanta's like rental situation here, and it seems like it kind of sucks to be a renter in Georgia. <laughs> it seems like you have almost no rights and no the- protection. I, I, yeah. I didn't have air conditioning for a little while. And it turns out that you are not guaranteed air conditioning 
in any in rental, a, which, is, which yeah. is hard being like in Atlanta. Cause like I never, I never had AC in Portland. Um, but that's, that's Portland. It's not, you, we're not dealing with the like Atlanta humidity and Atlanta heat. No, it's, it's pretty miserable. Thankfully my air conditioning did get fixed eventually, but yeah, I, there's no recourse for things like that. Um, so until that report, uh, by Keenan, it, it, it appeared that the city was doing diligent work, taking care of displaced residents and ensuring that they retained access to care and services uh, with as little disruption as possible. And, and by and large, that that happened. But, yeah. you know, for a quarter of residents, not so much. Um, at this point, more questions are cropping up. So the story is likely going to continue to develop. But at, at, we don't really we don't know where know it's at the point going to go. Because this is like current events. Yeah. Yeah, so another Forest Cove issue that will probably come up later in Dickens' term uh, was that he made a promise to residents that they'll be able to re return to the apartment complex eventually. But Millennia was denied HUD assistance to fix the property, and it's unlikely that they'll do so on their own. So the fate of the complex is pretty up in the air. The city does own approximately 80 acres in the neighborhood, uh, which could and should go to building low-income housing, but it's prime real estate for further gentrification. So yeah, we'll see how that plays out. No, one of the first things like that I noticed when I was visiting Atlanta like last year was that like all of like most of the Section Eight housing has been like, converted into like luxury condos or like new new, new like like a like a five-story apartment complexes and. No, like the speed of the gentrification was was kind of surprising to me, even like coming coming from Portland. Like, where there's still is gentrification in Portland, absolutely, but the the expansiveness of it here and the speed of which it's accelerating was was surprising to me. Yeah, and we're not building like low income housing complexes. But no. what's happening here is that they're they're adding a certain percentage of new like if you're building a a, a massive complex, a certain percentage of your uh off like your dwellings have to go at at a certain point of the uh, average monthly income yeah but that's not really addressing this like large scale issue that is no, going because you still have hundreds of them that it costs like three thousand dollars and you have like a dozen that are low income and it, you just you do the barest amount to skirt by while still filling up most of the available real estate with very expensive apartments and i, I should plug here there's a fantastic book called red hot city by uh GSU professor named Dan Immergluck, if you, you know, want to learn more about gentrification in Atlanta. It's, okay, great. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a uh, vital reading. Uh, so towards the end of Dickens' first 100 days in office, APD chief Rodney Bryant announced that he was going to retire. Bryant was not very well liked by city leadership. Uh, Felicia Moore had made a campaign promise to get rid of Bryant on her first day in office, but Dickens said he'd give him 100 days to improve public safety and kind of see where things were at before firing him. And what happened after those 100 days? <laughs> so Bryant stepped down and Dickens tapped then Deputy Chief Darren Sheerbaum as Dar interim replacement. Darren Sheerbaum. I've heard of this guy before. This is the guy who made that weird confession about having sex in the woods with all those police officers. I heard that <laughs> in a podcast recently. That's, that's so crazy. Uh, Sheerbaum, who may or may not have said those things, uh, his prior role was overseeing the cop city development, and he was also pretty well liked by APD officers. So Dick officially hired him uh, in October of 2022. But if you're a leftist or even just against cop city, this is actually like kind of a loss. Sheerbaum is incredibly PR savvy, as, yeah. as you saw in that city council meeting. And yeah. He does pretty well when he's talking to them. No, when I was first doing stuff on cop city, I remember when he was just like the spokesperson for it. He wasn't actually like the chief yet. And then he became uh, the chief in like last fall. And they've gotten better at their propaganda since then. A lot better. Yeah. And, you know, I watch this like every week. He, he, he does a pretty good job. Yeah. 
This brings us to budget season 2022. In April, Dickens tells the AGC that he wants to hire 250 APD officers a year for three years, hoping that the total of 750 new hires will net a 450 uh, increase in officers for the department. Okay, so hiring a lot, some of them yeah, might not attrition stay on, rates. other people might not stay on, but you're trying to like net to get another like 400 or so officers. Yep. Uh, so Dickens also approved $4,000 bonuses for APD, uh, paid using American Rescue Plan Act money. And great, great, great use of funds. <laughs> Initially in June, Dickens promised police a raise of three and a half percent. But in November, uh, it became apparent that the city would have a budget surplus. So Dickens and council raised that to nine percent, bringing APD to a total of a 27 percent raise over the course of three years. Funny how much money they're just getting pumped this past yeah, few years. And here. I don't know what happened like three years ago, but it seems like something shouldn't. No, I mean, like you were talking about how, like how, how, how Dickens was like previously working to get like a like a seventy million reduction in police budget. You know, probably, probably in some ways, probably just like for PR reasons, because during twenty twenty that was the popular thing to do. And now he's just like funneling millions and millions of dollars towards the police foundation, towards individual officers, towards raises, bonuses. You know, standard mayor stuff. Oh, and we're not done. In November, it was an early Christmas for APD. Dickens also debuted 40 new SCAD. And so SCAD is the Savannah College of Art and Design. uh, It's it's arts college. The big art college in Georgia. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So they designed these police Ford Explorer vehicles uh, for an officer take home program. They they look like shit. Each vehicle cost $60,000. So the total price tag of this was $2.4 million to improve officer morale. Oh yeah, let's let's get them let's get them you know two million dollars worth of cars just to make them happy. Uh, Seventy additional take home vehicles are in the pipeline once equipment becomes available to outfit cool. them. So yeah, this this program is just continuing to grow. Fuck whatever scad designer was paid to fucking design those shitty cars. So one of the things that was missing during this budget season uh, back back in spring was the very thing that helped Dickens solidify his, his image as a progressive council member, affordable housing. Uh-huh. In his initial budget, Dickens put no increase in affordable housing for his alleged You focus. had a budget surplus and you're like, no, let's give them to give all the money to the police who are already getting a 90 million dollar training facility. Let's give them even more money. Sure. Great. So Dan Emmergluck, the GSU professor I just mentioned, um, he was He's an affordable housing advocate, and he was part of uh, Dickens' transition team. And he told Capital B after the prospective budget was released, quote, for this to be his first budget to make a step backwards is extremely disappointing. And that's basically how all the progressives felt. Yeah. Uh, so he Dickens did cave to housing uh, advocate pressure, and he added an additional $7 million in, in the affordable housing budget uh, before the budget was passed in June. Cool, cool, cool. Remember back in 2019 and 2020, everyone is, was in agreement that the uh, jail was going to close. Yeah, the the the, the AC, they were going to convert it to the other to that other thing. Yeah, it was yeah. going to be a center for diversion and equity. It was, yeah, it was yeah. going to be great. And was, and by yeah. this point, it actually had a name: the John Lewis Center for Diversion and Equity. Great. But in June of 2022, City Council voted down legislation authorizing the mayor to close the jail. Then plans came out in early August that instead of closing ACDC, Fulton County in Atlanta were in talks to rent 700 beds from the facility to Fulton County to address the overcrowding problem at Rice Street, uh, Fulton County's main jail. Maybe they should just keep less people in jail. Activists warned (laughs) that the lease would not alleviate these issues and that city council needed to instead focus on decarceration. And then there was an ACLU report that came out uh, later in the year that found 
45% of the overall jail population in Fulton County is unindicted. Yeah, they're just holding people that actually have not been indicted for any crime. Great. And remember, it was Dickens who introduced the legislation to find a way to repurpose this jail. Uh, he said in a statement when the 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 lease to Fulton County was coming up, quote, uh, as I've continually supported since my time on Atlanta City Council, I remain committed to fully repurposing the ACDC facility for non-incarceration purposes. But we are also confronted by a real and immediate crisis of overcrowding at the Fulton County Jail. Many of these detainees are Atlanta residents, and our conscience calls us to act. This is a temporary lease agreement and will allow the city of Atlanta to play a role in alleviating this humanitarian crisis and to provide the necessary time for Fulton County to develop and implement a long-term solution. Humanitarian Because solution. we always know adding more prison beds really <laughs> reduces the problem. Uh-huh. Uh, so the temporary solution that we're talking about is a four-year agreement, uh, and Fulton County is paying the city of Atlanta $50 per bed per night. So when the full 700 beds are taking, Atlanta will be making $12.7 million a year. Remember when we had to release all those people from prison and jail in 2020 due to overcrowding and then violent crime dropped? Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Uh, so the $12.7 million sounds like a lot of money, but before the lease went into effect, ACDC's average population was under 50 individuals per night. The city's Department of Corrections budget is $16.1 million a year. So the city is still going to lose money running this jail, even with Fulton County paying for their for, detainees for their to share stay the there. Yeah. Then on April 14th of this year, the news came out that uh, LaShawn Thompson died in Rice Street Jail, having been neglected and ignored by uh, Fulton County deputies. Uh, when they finally checked on uh, Thompson, they they found that he had been eaten alive by bugs as he lay dying. And this was in September of 2022, just after Atlanta approved this lease. The cell Thompson was in was so disgusting that a jail employee refused to enter without putting on a hazmat suit first. Oh, imagine what it was like to live in there. That's crazy. And this death isn't the result of overcrowding. Thompson was in jail on simple battery charges and being held on a $2,500 bond. He was also unindicted. There was no reason for Thompson to be in jail at the time of his death. If he had the money, he probably would have been alive today. Yeah, it's just blocking up poor people. And yeah, so this is uh, the sort of thing that Dickens and Council have enabled with the, this new jail lease. Before we get into Dickens and Cop City in 2023, we need to talk briefly about some more uh, American Rescue Plan Act uh, chicanery Dickens and Council pulled off this year. At the end of January, Atlanta announced that it was returning $10 million in ARPA funds earmarked for rental assistance that the city never used. Why did you just, just use it for rental assistance? So this uh, naturally upset a lot of people. Public comment was quite feisty that day. Um, Atlanta is, of course, increasingly pricing out its legacy residents, as we just talked about. And $10 million would go a long way to helping combat that. And then to add insult to injury, a few weeks later, council passed and Dickens signed legislation that gave $500,000 in ARPA funds to the Atlanta Police Foundation to provide additional police and first responder housing. So really reinforcing the city's going to take care of police before everyone else. Yeah. Oh, boy. <clears throat> so let's move on to how Dickens uh, handled Cop City uh, since January 18th, I think is probably 
a good place to start. Sure. The the killing of Tortuguita by Georgia State Patrol officers. Uh, the day that everything happened, Dickens wished uh, the trooper a speedy recovery. I can find nowhere in which Dickens made any comment other than it's unfortunate that Tortuguita was killed. Not surprising, uh, he never accepts any level of responsibility for Tort's death, insisting instead that that responsibility lies with Georgia State Patrol or DeKalb County. He refuses to acknowledge the fact that the city's insistence on trying to build Cop City both ensured Tort and the officer's presence in the woods. And NAPD's involvement in the raid. Like, yeah. Uh, so this moment also kind of changed how Dickens uh, approaches Cop City. Before, he was relatively quiet, uh, but he begins this like full court media press after January 18th. And we don't know the exact details, but it does seem like DeKalb County, Atlanta officials and APF came to an agreement in, in January uh, to, to pass this land disturbance permit. In February, after a student protest at the Atlanta University Center um, and letters from AUC faculty that opposed construction of Cop City and expressed solidarity with protesters, Dickens announced that he would hold a forum with the president of Morehouse College, David A. Thomas, who is a vocal Cop City supporter. This was a big problem for Dickens as the colleges that make up the AUC. And uh, we didn't talk about which one those were earlier. It's Morehouse, Spelman, uh, Clark University, Morehouse College of Medicine. All of them carry with them an incredible amount of historical and political power in the city of Atlanta. So keeping AUC uh, support is, is pretty vital if you want to continue to run for elections. The attendance at the forum was limited to only AUC students and faculty, but a stream was duped and broadcast on Instagram Live. Unfortunately, I have not been able to find a complete copy, but there are definitely highlights that have made it out. Uh, overall, Dickens was pretty patronizing and sarcastic to students. Several times, students called the mayor out for his behavior, but he continued to show disdain the rest of the night. One student called him out for his lack of prior acknowledgement of Tort's death, and Dickens, as usual, sidestepped responsibility, again saying that it was unfortunate Tort died, but insisting he was the wrong person to blame because it didn't happen in the city of Atlanta, and the officer was not from APD. At one point, Dickens went on a tirade after a student called him a sellout. This we do have audio for. Hey, let me just share this with you. I ain't never been a sellout. You can't, you can't, you, you, you gotta check, you got the wrong resume that you're looking at. I know we, I know we like to yell and, and uh, shout out things just to be heard. You've been heard. You've been heard. But guess what? You picked the wrong resume to pull on a race car. Whatever Dickens was hoping to accomplish that night, he failed. Several uh, memes and audio remixes of Dickens' performance went viral in the Atlanta Twitter sphere and continue to crop up this day. <laughs> like the I am not a sellout one. I don't know if you've seen it. <laughs> is, is that the... Is, is, I, I'm still ruined by the, by the, uh, by the Dr. Han uh, good, good doctor memes that just, just reminded me of, of the I am a surgeon meme. So great job. Great job. Yeah, great work. Uh, so Dickens has, of course, continued to try or to build or manufacture support for Cop City over the next two months. Um, in March, he was visiting the neighborhoods around Cop City to hear feedback from residents. And he, of course, started in the wealthier neighborhoods. And he only went to the less affluent neighborhood, which like Cop City is is actually in. Yeah. Um, after a member of the Community Stakeholder Advisory Committee called him out for only favoring the wealthy communities. Local residents have told ACPC that Dickens skips over the houses with DTF signs out front. That makes sense. Yeah, checks out. He's done several interviews now on Cop City with both the AJC and WABE, a local public radio station. 
the AJC interview was particularly interesting because one of the interviewers asked Dickens what would happen if Cop City ended in a cost overrun. Dickens told her that any large overruns would be paid for by philanthropic dollars from the foundation. He said <laughs> this. Out. He said this, <laughs> but a member of his cabinet had already confirmed that APF uh, to APF City was willing to pay thirty-two million dollars at that point, and of course, we've now learned that that number is sixty-seven million dollars. Uh, did you follow the City of Atlanta's Twitter account? No, I don't want to see that shit. It, but I, I know they have turned it into just a cop city propaganda it's, yeah, channel. It's, it's a yeah. nonstop propaganda channel, yeah. um, which is like really fun to watch because every cop city uh, post is like bombarded with negative replies yes. and quote tweets. I, I, I've seen these posts. I, I know, I know. I have talked about how they launched their own website, trying to combat all of the stop cop city websites, and yeah, they've really accelerated their propaganda the past few months, and yeah, just turned the actual city of Atlanta account into a cop city propaganda uh like platform which is funny because they off they also will often advocate and say like this isn't the city of Atlanta's project this is the apf's project which they'll often like use that use that refrain and yet we have the city of atlanta account being turned into a into a like, megaphone to promote this project yeah the atlanta police foundation doesn't actually give interviews to uh like news anymore yeah they, why would they, they filter <laughs> everything through the city of atlanta which uh, nor normal charity organization. Yeah, it, it's it's completely normal for them never to show up at city council to talk about anything and to hide from the public. It's fine. Um, so meanwhile, Dickens is of course like dogged by opposition to Cop City at every turn. On April thirteenth, three Georgia State University students, with the support of this keynote speaker, interrupted a global symposium studies uh, that Dickens was giving opening remarks. Dickens grows increasingly frustrated as the disruptors will not leave, and eventually Dickens and his retinue like just walk out. Um, on April eleventh, Dickens had hired a new senior policy advisor named Karen Rogers. Dickens brought Rogers over from the Atlanta Police Foundation, where she'd spent seven years working in community engagement, and he brought her on, of course, to advise about Cop City. On April 18th, DeKalb County Medical Examiner uh, released the autopsy on Tort's death, and that same day, just before the article came out that the autopsy was released, Dickens held a press conference on the steps of City Hall. He was surrounded by a group of nearly 100 uh, all-older Black leaders, including former mayor Bill Campbell and uh, Andrew Young. Hmm. This appears to have been a hastily thrown together event, and only a few media outlets were even aware that it was happening. Like, we didn't get an update that it was going yeah, I on. Did, I didn't know that was happening. Yeah, it just it, it kind of cropped up and, and seemed to take everyone by surprise. And of course, it looks like the press conference was held to counteract the autopsy report coming out that day. Yeah. Uh, but that failed. And the autopsy report was the bigger story. Um, Notably, the AJC did not print the autopsy report on the first day, but it was pretty well covered elsewhere on the, the landscape. Uh, and the autopsy caused a second city councilor to speak out against Cop City uh, and, and a growing number of state representatives have started to speak out You know, as that happened and as the uh, arrest of the Solidarity Fund. But Dickens is, of course, unmoved and preparing for this fight to last a while. Um, then, of course, there was the city council vote. Uh, on June 5th and there had been some work done behind the scenes to try to uh, get this sent back to committee. Apparently Dickens had like peeled off uh, city so called the maybe votes into his office uh, early that morning and peeled off the votes to, to ensure that that cop city continued on. Uh, we should, I wrote this of course, like 
month, I think two months ago, months ago at this ago, point. Because, yeah. So yeah, uh, a couple of quick highlights. Again, the affordable housing. Um, uh, so with our affordable housing, it is supposed to get a, a certain percentage of our general operating budget. And it started out at one and a half percent, and then it was supposed to go up to two percent and two and a half percent is where it's going to cap out. So this year it was supposed to go to two percent. He kept it at one and a half percent. But he did announce a public private partnership to uh, offer one hundred million dollars in in affordable housing bonds. Really? Yes. So we we love our public private partnership Atlanta way things to to get things done. Yeah, that seems like the way that's I mean, that's what I'm excited about for for the the extra $30 million bond to APF, that'll certainly get paid back in a reasonable time period. In a completely reasonable time period. And, you know, that'll get paid back, I'm sure. And we're not going to continue to pay anything. And, and APF is not going to make any money off. No, this, this is down, this, down out of the goodness of their heart. Surely this project's not a massive taxpayer sinkhole. <laughs> oh, so that's it. Uh, that's, that's the mayor. That's the mayor. That's so, where we are. And then when's the next mayoral election? So 2025. And of course, Dickens like, has to move the needle. There was um, there were like some calls for a recall campaign uh, around Dickens, yeah. uh, especially amongst the movement. Um, like, I personally don't think that it would have any chance of succeeding. There's kind of uh, there's a perception that that he's doing OK. And, you know, when you have somebody that was uh, probed by the FBI for corruption just a few years ago. Your your standards of what standards a good mayor like, yeah, is yeah, yeah. kind of changes. And, so um, people seem to be putting lots of their their dedicated the, some of their dedicated efforts in terms of like electoral sign up stuff is being put towards the referendum, uh, which got approved a few days ago to to continue. They need to collect like what seventy five thousand signatures from people who were residents of Atlanta and registered to vote in twenty twenty one. Yes, which seems like a pretty high bar. Um, that's a lot of signatures. So. It's a lot of signatures. And because the organizers say this municipal clerk was like playing games and, and withholding uh, approving the signature. So they don't have uh, approving the referendum. And they, so they don't have the full like 60 days. It's yeah, now like, like two weeks. 50, or no, it's uh, 57 days. So okay. I think it's like it's uh, they have to have them by August 15th, which is yeah, a lot of signatures. And August 15th is around when construction was supposed to start. For Cop City, so yeah, and then uh, for other mayoral candidates, I've heard rumor that friend of the show, ontologically evil Mary Norwood, may be interested in trying to run again. So this is like her her kind of move is she does uh, she runs for mayor. Uh, well, first she does a, a term of city council, and then she runs for mayor, and then she doesn't get the mayoral spot, so she takes a you know four years off. She comes back, runs for city council, runs for mayor, takes four years off. So we we we're now in her you know, mayor, uh, her city council term. And if she's going to do this for a third time, then she will run for mayor in 2025. Which would suck. Yeah, it, I mean, she came close last time. She did. And, and I think how, depending on if, depending on how progress in the cop city construction goes, she has a way to frame this being like, like I was the one who was actually in support of this popular proposal the whole time. And look, we succeeded only because of me. Yeah, she can do that. And there is um, so Atlanta's demographics are changing. We're no longer a majority black city. Um, the population uh, is down to like 48 um, percent black people. So there Dickens is being called possibly the last black mayor of Atlanta. And, you know, that will be a shock to our systems and Mary Norwood would be like just a way to quickly kill that. Yeah, and, and like like I said, the only way to accurately describe her is just ontologically evil. Like she is 
she she is just that bad um she's like she's she yeah it's not great would not be fun but she she she's not the mayor it is it is mayor dickens who is the shitty mayor of this episode and based on how much power he has to change things and how much what he's decided to do with that power when instead of actually supporting all the affordable housing things he's funneled millions of dollars to cop city to the atlanta police foundation has refused any measure to revoke the land lease ordinance and even 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 if not to not to cancel the project even just to move it somewhere else he's refused every step of the way um and yeah we'll we'll see how that does him in the next election cycle yeah i'm really interested to see uh how he plays the referendum i'm i'm i mean i'm interested to see if the referendum will even be a threat at all because if it if it's if it's if it fails to get a significant portion of signatures, then he may just ignore it because why would he bother to talk about it? Yeah, they're definitely not going to devote any resources to it until they're sure that it is a threat. Yeah. Uh, but once once it you know potentially becomes a threat, they will they've got to start doing something. Yeah. Well, we are we are like what two or three days into the week of action at this point. Um, <laughs> I, I <laughs> definitely don't, I don't know what what things are like, but there still is some days left. So yeah, if 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 you're if you're in Atlanta, uh, try to stay safe and stay as dangerous as you feel comfortable. Say hey to us when you see us. Sure. Um, do you have any Do you have any uh, things you would like to uh, uh, plug, Matt, from the Atlanta Community Press Collective? Yes. Uh, so I am Matt, and I work for the Atlanta Community Press Collective. If you want to check out our work, our website is atlpresscollective.com. Uh, we also do a lot on Twitter. Uh, our handle is at Atlanta underscore press and our instagram uh where we post a lot of our videos is atl press collective and then uh you can also donate to solidarity fund not at the regular solidarity fund website still i believe it's i believe it's still the the national bail fund one right i believe it is still the national bail fund until probably until that uh court case is settled got it all right so yeah um make sure you go to the right site for the for the act blue national Bail, bail fund towards the atlanta solidarity fund anyway uh, so that was the shitty mayor of today, Mayor Andre Dickens. I'll make the joke again. I think it's funny that the previous mayor was named Bottoms. The current na- na- mayor is named Dickens. It's Dickens, Dickin Bottoms. Anyway, um, no comment. That's the joke that I made before. I'm going to keep making it until he's until, until he's no longer mayor, unless someone else runs for. We could do Norwood Dickens Bottoms. Mm, no, never. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to bother joking about that because that would be so. That'd be so don't, bad. Yeah, don't, don't put it into the universe. Exactly. That, exactly. Yeah, that doesn't need to matter. I don't need to do that. Anyway, um, yeah. Uh, see you on the other side. Uh, stay safe. Stay dangerous during the week of action. Uh, ta-ta. It could happen here as a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. 
from herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.